0: Welcome to Rock Harbor Church's channel on Sermon Audio. We hope this message is a blessing to you and helps you in your daily walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please, settle in and grab your Bibles. Here's Pastor Brandon with this message. Well, let me ask you this question. It's been 21 years since 9-11. Today's the anniversary of 21 years since 9-11. Let me ask you this. Based on what you've seen in the last 21 years, did we learn anything from that? No, we have not. And we, through this Green Dragon Energy deal, are killing ourselves from fossil fuels. But the hypocrisy in this is we run to Saudi Arabia to get oil, to get fossil fuels. Because 65% of the American energy industry is fossil fuels. So we're going we're gonna to go green here And let Saudi produce all the oil, and we're going to get our oil from them. So we can at least say, oh, we're going green here and cause an energy crisis, and we're still bowing a knee to MBS, the the head of uh, Saudi Arabia. And that dude's wicked, by the way. That's a guy who chopped up um, Khashoggi. Yeah, Khashoggi. Am I saying that right? Khashoggi? Yeah. They did a bone saw and killed him. These people are creeps, man. They're evil. And yet we're doing a deal with the devil. We, we could be uh, uh, drilling here and have, being uh, energy independent. It's ridiculous, right? And so it, it, it's, it's, we never learned anything. And now we have people in Congress that are Muslim and are anti-Israel. And that's like common now. You know, we have the, the squad, right? And it's like, how did these people get voted in like this? And, and why is that allowed and so we really haven't learned anything. In fact, we, we flip-flopped and went the opposite way after 9 11. We didn't learn anything. And, I, I, and I'm telling you this because in 21 years, what I see it happened is that is the starting point where we will start, we, we got started in, uh, being infiltrated uh, by the green-red axis, the red representing the communists and the green representing Islam. And that green, red axis is alive and well in our politics. And it's, right, and it's alive and well in our schools. Think about this. Who would ever think that a, a, a textbook that your junior hires are reading about history, that they would spend here locally six weeks on studying Islam and two weeks on studying Christianity, and all they studied about Christianity was the Crusades? You tell me what's going on here. Oh, maybe it's because the three major booksellers to academia, to public schools, is funded by Saudi money. We didn't, we didn't learn anything. All those lives lost and continue, and then we pull out of Afghanistan like we did, and now Afghanistan, it, it, the Taliban have full control of the whole thing. It is a disaster. So with that being said, I think that was a major turning point and it's something to think about of of uh, when really things started going bad and we really have never recovered because of this. And now we have to be sympathetic to Islam. I'm sorry, I'm not gonna be sympathetic to Islam. It's a satanic religion. It drives to them to kill people and kill everyone else. I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. And, and it's just something that, that was the, I, the starting, the beginning of the end, so to speak. I, and I, and I, I can't put it any other way uh, when I look back after 21 years. And, and because of that, um, please understand, I mean, we, we are intimately associated with what happened because our friend, Phil Haney, was killed because of it. And I'm not, I'm not going to ever forget that. He was taken down because he knew things of them letting Muslim uh, terrorists come through our border and how they had infiltrated and how he was watching Muslim terrorists in America, in California, that could have been stopped and they told him to stand down. And that's one of the reasons he was killed because he knew who let them in and, and it was the Clintons and Obama and all those other people, the FBI. He knew them. And so... When we think about 9-11, I want you to always think about Phil Haney, because Phil Haney knew all this stuff, and they brought him down, because he was going to expose them. And so, um, it's something to reflect on, uh, it's something to think about, but it also shows you how evil our world is. And that's what we're going to talk about today in Daniel, uh, is when evil is judged, because quite frankly, I'm, I've had enough of it, I'm tired of seeing it. And I just want God to do something about it, like now. Um, Because uh, these people, wow, I I just, I can't hardly imagine. But here's, let me me give you the context of what we're going to study here. What you're going to look at, last last week we looked at the kingdom aspect. But then in this part of Daniel, he starts discussing how he's going to put an end to the beast system and the antichrist which is the culmination of all this evil coming together under one umbrella. And that's what we're seeing today of why we see in every sector of society so much evil is because it's, it's heading that way. It's going to be centered under one man, under one government over the entire world. And so we know, we, know, we know the path of where it goes. And so what God does in this passage is he shows you and I how he will destroy evil. And... Um, it's meant to generate something in us. It's meant to generate in the application how we're going to live in light of that. And we'll get to that in the personal application. So we're going to dive pretty deep today into some of this stuff. And I just, you know, I ask you just to hang on with me. And then I will bring it back to a personal application. But what you're going to see now is, is very, very deep theology and in, in understanding why things need to happen, how they happen, and what 's going on in heaven um, to eradicate this evil from our lives as an example, this passage is talking to Israel about their coming persecution under the Antichrist. So the context is trials and tribulations because of persecution. So you always want to keep that in mind in chapter seven is this is a chapter to speak to the persecuted church, and to, and to Israel as, a, as an application, okay? To all believers who, who suffer persecution. And right now, we are now starting to see where they are going in the persecution. Not only in third world countries, but it's coming to America and Western society. I just spoke uh, on Friday night, up in San Ramon, at a, a prophecy conference. I spoke against the green energy problem okay, that they're doing in hijacking our economy and all that stuff. That thing that I said didn't last very long when YouTube took it down. And all I did is I went after what they're doing with energy. That was the whole main point of, of what I was saying. And they took it down because I was attacking climate change, the hoax, and I went after the green dragon. This whole energy thing. Guys, you understand that they have now more from taking, striking us about talking about the vaccine, talking about COVID-19, to now, if I talk about the green dragon, they take you down too. There's nothing left anymore. They're going to silence all voices against them. That's where this is going, so it's very evil, it's real, and it's happening. And no one does anything about it, as far as, you know, you can't control YouTube or anything like that, they're a fascistic organization. And so, you know, it is what it is, but it's very evil. So, in context, on the personal application here is, we're, we should expect to see more persecution, and we are. So right now, you have, like, think about this. This Joe Scarbo, and this guy's radical, okay? He said angrily, never once mentioned it, talking about Jesus, and for per- perverting the gospel of Jesus down to one issue. It's a heresy. Now, what is he talking about? He said Jesus never uh, once talked about abortion. Blast pro-life Christians for perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ down to one issue. I, I don't even know what Bible they read. So here, how do you answer that to some, some lunatic that says, well, Jesus never talked about abortion? Uh, I think he did in the sense that thou shalt not murder. He repeated that. If you have murder in your heart, he repeated the commandment thou shalt not murder. Mur- a baby in a womb that gets abort- uh, has an abortion performed on it is murder. He did speak to it, Joe Scarborough. What, what are you not getting it? But this is an apostate. He calls us heretics. Open the Bible. Open the New Testament. Read the red letters. You won't see it there. I'm going to get my theological education from that guy? That guy's an apostate, Right? Unbelievable. Christians deliberately exploit misused religious narratives to deny minors transgender surgery, says UN official. Yes, yeah, you, you, you see where the persecution is coming from is, is that because we're Christians, uh, we don't let people have the freedom to mutilate their bodies, especially those who are teenagers or younger, right? This is the new trend. You, you, you understand that. They are mutilating children now. Unbelievable. Uh, Nashville PR firm drops Jason Aldean and his wife uh, after his wife talked about being happy she didn't change gender when she thought she was, she went, when she went through her tomboy phase. I mean, that's now hate speech. That's now hate speech because she committed violence by her speech to all the transgenders. So the, 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 the uh, people are dropping her in Nashville and even the other country singers came against her and all this other junk. But the bottom line is, those two, that couple is a Christian couple and are standing for what's right, but they're now being pushed out of the country music scene because of this. Sad, isn't it? And I can go on and on, but that's an example of just this week, current persecutions against Christians and things being said against us. Now let's turn to the scriptures. So this is how it starts in understanding what God's going to do to evil. In verse nine, it says this: "And the Ancient of Days was seated." Now, the Ancient of Days is God the Father. The reason God the Father is called the Ancient of Days it is referring to His eternity, His eternal nature. That His eternal nature in Hebrew is it's called the Ancient of Days. So He's the eternal one, okay? And He was seated. Now, the idea that God the Father now is coming to the situation and seating seating Himself, it should like remind you of a court scene where the judge comes in and then he all rise, you know, that type of courtroom scene and then the judge is seated and then you can see, sit down. That's really what's happening here is that he's walked into the courtroom, so to speak, and now being seated, he is ready to judge is the idea. Now then it says his garment was white as snow and his hair, uh, the hair of his head was like pure wool. Um, the idea about the father's garments being white as snow is symbolic of his purity. It's pointing to his purity, that he's holy. Now, why is that important? Because when you're about to judge, he is, is showing you that he's the righteous judge. He can make the right decision. He is the eternal one, and because he's eternal, he's omniscient, he sees all, he knows all. And therefore, he has the right to judge because of his moral purity and his omniscience. There's nothing, no factor he can't take in. And then his hair, uh, the hair of his head is, uh, was like pure wool symbolizing, again, um, a white hair means in, in Hebrew culture, wisdom, elder, understanding. And so the white hair symbolic is, is talking about not only his purity, but that he is, he is all wise in that sense, okay? So what, what, what's happening here in this courtroom scene is sig- signaling to everybody who reads this that God's holiness demands justice. God is not going to let people get away with what's happening. And so to satisfy that justice, there's only two paths. The one path is you will pay for your own sins in the lake of fire okay or the other path is you will take the sacrifice that god sent through his son and accept his sacrifice to pay the penalty for your sins and that's it this is the path he has provided so either you're going to pay your own or christ will pay yours by believing in him those are the only two options humans have and unfortunately the majority of people because of their evil nature, and they've went so far, they're not coming by the way of the cross. They have decided, whether they know it or not, to pay for their own sins in the lake of fire. Now, here's the thing. Is the lake of fire forever? Yes, it is eternal. Because the whole point back to this, God's eternal. And people will say, well, why is someone going to spend um, you know, an eternity in hell when they only lived about 75, 80 years. It's not the issue of human human life. The issue is that human has committed a sin against an eternal being, which then requires an eternal punishment because of you offending an eternal being. That's why the cross makes perfect sense because when Christ makes the sacrifice based on who he is, he is the God man, his sacrifice has eternal ramifications. It takes away all your sins. It satisfies the wrath of God for an eternal being because Christ himself is an eternal being. And hence his sacrifice has eternal repercussions. That's how God satisfies his wrath. So you either take your own wrath Or Jesus will take your wrath. And this is where humanity stands. Let's continue on. As showing this examples. Of what's going on here. And why people deserve this judgment. Little girl dances at all ages. Drag queen show in Utah. Collects cash from cheering crowd. And intense backlash against the show. Sparks war of words. We have reached a point in society. Where this needs to be judged. This is crazy. This is abuse. Where's CPS? Where are are they? And they're taking these little kids to these drag queen shows. And talking to Philip Lee, who helps people get out of homosexuality and lesbianism, we just had a seminar with him yesterday. But talking to him, he says, Brandon, this whole drag queen thing, he goes, it is so deep in the LGBT movement. It is so wicked and evil. It's a subculture of just pure wickedness it's beyond normal okay and we do know that 20 to 30 percent of these men are pedophilers okay so that's the stats so this is wicked and we're just trying to figure out how long is going to put god going to put up with this when you start messing with kids when you start doing surgeries and you parade them around pedophilers Buckle up because we're seeing the first wave of development problems in COVID era children and it's only gonna get worse as time goes on. What do you mean? Speech therapist reveals that she's been inundated with a wave of COVID babies who can barely speak because of pandemic shutdowns and parents are paying up to $1,000 a month to repair the damage. Again, more harm to children, right? More harm, evidencing why people need to be judged. San Francisco moves to decriminalize psychedelics. So we're not just going to attack the kids. We're going to let them have drugs now. Let them get high. Like Yuval Harari said, what are you going to do with all these useless people? Well, we'll just let them play video games and drug them up. That's what they're doing. They're legalizing drugs. The Bible talks about in the, in Re- the book of Revelation, during the tribulation, pharmakia. It's where we get the word pharmacy from. And pharma pharmacia. The, the, the term you would use is sorcery, okay? So at the bottom line of sorcery is pharmacia, which is doing drugs like this. They are now practicing sorcery on our society and our kids. Do you think they deserve judgment? They sure do. Ivy League School will be free for students whose families make under 100,000. This is Princeton. So if you met your family goes uh, if you go to Princeton and you make under 100,000 Princeton pays the bill and you go for free. Now here's the story. The rest rest of the story who pays it? You and I do. You and I do. And the families that go to Princeton that make over $100,000, they're going to pay it because they're going to raise the tuition in order to pay this. So at the end of the day, there's no such thing as a free lunch. But this is their mentality of equity. And in their mentality of equity, you have to steal from someone else to give free things to another person. That's Marxism. Okay, that's, that's what's happening. That's evil. That is the most evil thing you can do because you have to steal now, notice about the throne. His throne was a fiery flame. Its wheels a burning fire, a fiery stream issued and came forth before him. Now, what is this concept? It's trying to show you it's the Shekinah glory, okay? And the Shekinah glory is seen typically as fire. And fire in the Hebrew mind represents judgment. So when the, when the father sits down on this throne, this throne is made out of fire, And notice that it has wheels. The the wheels represent a chariot throne. So in the ancient world, when kings moved to different places, um, they would move on a throne that was on a chariot with four wheels and that was pulled along. So this is reminiscent of that. And the idea of the throne chariot is that God can locate himself wherever he wants to by this throne chariot because the wheels, according to Ezekiel, go, uh, there's two wheels in one and they can go in any direction and they're full of eyes. The concept of the chariot having eyes and the, uh, the cherubim having eyes all over them is pointing to God's omniscience. So on his chariot throne, he's going to issue judgment because he knows all and will go to them for judgment. He will go to them on the chariot is the concept. And this, the fire represents judgment, okay? So it's real fire. Please understand, it's real fire, but it's symbolic that, the, that these people are about to be judged. And notice a fiery stream issued and came forth before him. So instead of living waters coming from him on the other throne that he sits on, the chariot throne issues fire from it and that fire will go out and destroy and purify. That's the concept here. So it's all about judgment that they're seeing, okay? So again, more more examples of why this world needs to be judged. We have always had Disney employees, uh, they said, Florida Sheriff, Sheriff reveals result of human trafficking investigation. What do you mean? They have been, in, in, in Florida, the, the, the law enforcement has been studying human trafficking. And guess what? They're always picking up Disney employees in the human trafficking. What does that tell you about going to Disney, Disney World or Disneyland, knowing that their employees, like the sheriff's saying, most of them are involved in human trafficking? What kind of employees are they? Well, I can tell you, Disney attracts pedophilers. Disney attracts lesbian and homosexual and transgender because they have allowed this for the last 25 years. They have Pride Day, Gay Day, all that other stuff. And so it doesn't shock me, and it shouldn't shock you, that they do an investigation in Florida about a ring of prostitution and, and human trafficking. And the human trafficking is usually kids, by the way, little girls. And Disney employees are involved in it. Doesn't shock me. Doesn't shock me. I'm glad Ron DeSantis is doing what he's doing against Disney. That, that corporation is an evil corporation. How about this evil? Regime Hein, a German medical student at University of Würzburg in Germany, stated at a TED Talk that people need to recognize that pedophilia is a natural force. Anyone could be born a pedophile. No, they, no, they're not. It is just an unchangeable sexual orientation, just like, for example, heterosexuality. No, it's not. Then, hypocritically, she goes on to states that studies show that twenty to thirty percent of all child molesters are pedophilers. Do you see how she just contradicted herself? Unbelievable, right? This is when we have reached a level of evil in society we have never seen before. Wells Fargo, Target, Citibank, Hewlett Packard sponsored child drag performances. The big companies are getting behind on all of this. Edgy, uh, Tennessee Tech hosts campus drag show that mocks Christianity. So the guy comes out like a monk or whatever, and he's saying amen and amen. And then he strips down to his drag queen stuff. And and this is on uh, campuses. This is Tennessee Tech. Unbelievable. New Disney cartoon depicts Satan as the father of a 13-year-old. This is now what they're delivering the children. Here's the ad for it. The sky over a local junior high has torn open. Mom? Get in! Some no are putting this off. Your dad is the devil and you're the antichrist. I'm supposed to accept that you had sex with Satan? Please allow me to introduce myself. Come to your father, Damien. Huh. You're a girl. The future is female. You. Where have you been my whole life? The metaphysical realm. It's not hell, but it's got the essentials. Hey, everybody, this is my daughter. Proud of you. Hey, look at me. I'm bad grandma. What do you make of this thing, biblical or the media? I like things the way they were. hands off my daughter our daughter oh grief my parents are here I'm- this party just got lame if my parents ever show up to a party murder me i actually had to cut parts out of it because it was so raunchy i had to cut parts out of it to show you that clip that's how bad it was and they're feeding that to kids Now, I want you to think about this. This is funny because somebody who wrote this knows a little Bible, actually. When she said that the girl was the offspring of Satan having sex with a woman, that's exactly what Scripture is pointing to about the Antichrist, that he will be the offspring of, of Satan. And I think, hmm, these people are so deep into Satanism, they actually know some truth about the antichrist. And I just I walked away and saying, okay, that's you couldn't figure that out on your own human thought. A creature gave you that information. Because either you're going to get it from the Bible or some demon or fallen angel is going to tell you that. And I guarantee they weren't reading the Bible. It shows you how evil. It shows you why the fire must come from God. Then it goes on and says, a a thousand, thousands minister to him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him, referring to the angelic order. Cherubim, seraphs, messengers, all of the order minister to him. They're all there. They're part of his army. He is the Lord of hosts. And and the, uh, the host means armies. This is the Lord of armies. And these are his armies. Remember, Jesus got arrested and he said, Peter, stop. Don't you know I can call uh, 12,000 legions right now? So the Father, God, has all these angelic beings at his disposal. Now, the application for us is this, that while all this evil is happening, rest assured, the angels are also here to help us. They're going to execute judgment, but they're here to help us. And they're, and they're watching this and protecting us. So like this passage in Second Kings, which is a famous passage, you may not see the angels, but they're here. So this is a, a scene with Elijah, Elisha, and his servant, and the Syrian armies are coming bearing in because they have figured out that Elijah keeps, te- Elijah keeps telling the king of Israel the next move for the Syrian king. And so they figure out it's Elisha telling them. So they go after Elisha to kill Elisha. So the servant goes, he goes crazy and bonkers and says, wait a minute, look at the armies down there. They're going to kill us. So Elijah responds like this. So he answered, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened his eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Right now, that's the scene with you and I. They are protecting us. They understand what we're going through. Yes, it's an evil world, and they're coming after us, but you have the Lord of hosts' armies that encircle us. I pray every Sunday morning that the Lord, Lord, send your angels to protect us, to guard us in our church services, to guard all of our leaders. I pray that every Sunday morning, because I know the demonic attacks will happen. And so we pray for the Lord of hosts to put his armies encircling us and our, our main angel to protect us as well. They're here to minister to us. Look what Hebrews 1:14 says. And they, referring to the angels, not all minister, aren't they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? Yeah. God is helping us. He's going to help Israel. Their main angel is Michael. In, in chapter 12 of Daniel, he helps them. So, it's not, yes, this, all this evil is happening, but we're not defenseless. We have God and we have his angelic armies to protect us. So keep that in mind. So then in verse 10, it says the court was seated and the books were opened. Now, like I mentioned before, the court has to do with what we learned last week. Part of the court is the 24 elders, which represents the church. We talked about that last week. So this is a scene into the future, and we will be at this court session in heaven before he unleashes the wrath of the tribulation. We will see, be here at this court. And notice the books were opened. What books? Well, there's myriads of books. One book is the book of life. Everybody starts out in that book who's ever been born. But if they die without Christ, they're blotted out. Another book is the Lamb's book of life. Now, you don't start out in that book. You only start in that book once you come to faith in him. Then your name is put in the Lamb's book of life. So there's two books right there. And then there's a myriad of other books. And this is what this is referring to, the books. Revelation will mention that. What about the books? What are the books? They are the records of what every individual person has thought, said, and done. Everything has been recorded. Everything. And why does God need these books? He doesn't. He doesn't need them because he's omniscient. He knows what we think. He knows what people do. He, knows, he sees them. The books are a testimony against the person in the court scene because God operates on two or three witnesses. So he will have not only a record of the books, he will have also a testimony of angels who are, are called watchers that watched everybody, saw what they did, and can testify in a court against people. And, of course, you have God as being omniscient. So you have multiple attestations of what people have done. Thought, motives, all that stuff. Nothing is hidden. It's all recorded in the books. Now, why is this important? Well, here's the thing. If you come to faith in Christ, all that that's recorded about you is taken care of by Christ. He forgives you of all that, right? And so you don't have to worry about that necessarily. It will affect your rewards, but you don't have to worry about the sin involved because God has taken care of that. Those who don't come to faith in Christ, they will stand based on those books. And those books will declare how severe their hell will be. Some will be beaten with fewer blows and some will be beaten with more blows. So the books determine the severity of hell for them. And that's what this is about. And so the books are opened, and God is now going to use the books against the Antichrist and against the beast system. Then I saw, so Revelation adds to this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face to the earth and heaven fled away. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened. Same books that Daniel's talking about, okay? This is in Revelation. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Everything is being recorded. Everything that you see happening is being recorded. Everything. And I watched till the beast was slain. This is back in Daniel. And its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. But the court shall be seated. will be there And they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy forever. This is referring to the Antichrist and his beast system. And now, it gets very, very bloody at the end. And there's a lot of fire, real fire, okay? That happens at the end. So everything is about fire and judgment. So here's the question. It says, I watched till the beast was slain. What? specifically happens to the antichrist let's go over that first of all second thessalonians points out that when jesus returns the antichrist will be slain by the word of the lord so jesus speaks and kills the antichrist and that's it it's anticlimactic right the second thing that happens is the armies see how easily the antichrist was killed and they run from jesus but at the same time they're running from jesus they trample underfoot the Antichrist's body, which is predicted by Isaiah 14. And also the prediction, he is never to be buried, ever. So his body is left there to be stomped on by his own army. Third, once he dies, his spirit descends into the pit and is mocked by the people in hell, according to Isaiah. Is this the man who made the nations tremble? You have become like us, it says in Isaiah. Then, uh, during the 75-day interval, the Antichrist is raised back to life. He's given a body, as all unregenerate will be given a body, not a glorified body, and he is thrown alive into the lake of fire during the 75-day interval. That's why there's no burial. His body just stays trampled on the ground until the 75-day interval. He's resurrected and then cast in. He doesn't even go before God. He's just cast into the lake of fire That's how his demise goes. It's so bad. But it's associated to this, according to Daniel. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. The term Son of Man refers to the Messiah. Jesus will refer himself to as the Son of Man, but also Jesus is the Son of God. So when you see this vision... I was watching the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. Son of Man refers to his humanity, and look what it says, coming with the clouds of heaven. The clouds of heaven are not the clouds that circle the earth. The clouds of heaven are the glory clouds associated to the person. And there's only one individual that has the glory clouds associated with him. It's Jesus. He is the God-man. Now, God the Father has the glory clouds, and the Holy Spirit has the glory clouds, but the Son of Man also has the glory clouds, which every Jew who read this passage should have known that the Son of Man is deity. He is the second Yahweh. And that's what this passage said. Now, remember, let's go to the first century, and Jesus is standing trial before the Sanhedrin. Do you remember that scene? And they, they ask him, in the name of the living God, are you the Messiah? you remember that? And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, it is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see what? The Son of Man, sitting at the right hand of power, the father and coming what on the clouds of heaven, which is a direct reference to what we're studying today in Daniel. Now, you know what happened after that? They tore their robes because they know they knew what he claimed. He was claiming to be the Messiah, but he's also claiming deity because they knew that passage. Well, anyway, that passage is referenced to the second coming. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Now, the concept here is this the second coming, everything goes black. You have the fifth blackout. And all of a sudden, out of that black comes the Lord with his army and us. And he comes back and it's the only light that the world sees. The sun and the moon are darkened. The idea of the stars falling, stars in this context in Matthew refer to angels. And the idea of the stars will fall from heaven is that the stars will come back with him, which are the angels, to come and fight for him, or, for, or with him, I should say. That's what Matthew 25 is talking about. Notice in Matthew 25, he makes a reference to the sign of the, son, uh, of the coming of the Son of Man. Remember, the disciples asked him, what will be the sign of your coming? Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man, Daniel 7, coming what? On the clouds of heaven. What are the clouds of heaven? The Shekinah clouds with power and great glory. He just told the disciples, and he's telling us, this will be the sign of the second coming. The son of man will be on the glory clouds. So it's the glory clouds encircling Jesus. That is the sign of the son of man is the glory clouds. And that comes from Daniel seven. That's what he said to the Sanhedrin. And that's how he will return. Remember, he was, remember in Acts when he went into heaven, he departed from the Mount of Olives. Remember that? And they said the glory clouds came and took him. And then the angel says, he will return in like manner. Right, with the glory clouds. Because he is Yahweh. He is deity. So this is, this is the second coming. So Christ will end, the Antichrist, end the beast system and all evil at the second coming. Okay. It continues on. He says, he came to the ancient of days and they, talking about Jesus' glory clouds, brought him near before him. So Jesus His way of transportation is on the glory clouds. That's what moves Jesus in his humanity is the glory clouds and the glory clouds brought him before God, the father. Why? Because God, the father is going to give him something. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Now, this is referring to his aspect of being the son of man. Okay? Jesus, or before he became Jesus, the man Jesus, G- uh, the second person of the Trinity was known as the Memra in Hebrew, or the Logos in Greek. And then when the Logos became and took on an additional nature in the man, Jesus of Nazareth, this is where we pick up in the story. Jesus has always been sovereign as God. He has always been the ruler and the king as God. But when he took on that additional nature in the line of David, and then made the sacrifice and rose from the dead, because of that, he has the right then to rule on David's throne for all eternity. Remember, David's throne is a human political throne. And because of that, this is when this is given to him in the future, during the tribulation, or right before it, that God gives dominion to to the Messiah, the God-man. Okay, So the deity part of Jesus has always been sovereign, but now the humanity part of him is being made sovereign, if that makes sense. This is why you'll see in the scriptures, today I have begotten you. Well, Jesus has always existed because he's an eternal being. But once he's resurrected and now God can give him the kingdom, God is saying, I have begotten you because of that. So now he's going to reward Jesus The man, Jesus, with all of dominion. And again, I know it's some hard concepts because Jesus is the God-man, but you have to understand the humanity of Jesus as the son of man. He needs to be given this, and he is. Because Jesus is the second Adam. He's the second Adam. Adam was supposed to be our first king. You realize that. He was supposed to be our first king, and he failed miserably. So the second Adam needed to be sent, the son of man, and that second Adam will then rule humanity. He is the mediator between God and man, that second Adam. And I hope I didn't lose you on that. I know it gets, it's, it's, it gets deep, but you know that's Daniel, okay? But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. So the idea is, since Jesus is the God-man... And that man, part, I shouldn't say part, that nature, that human nature of Messiah is what connects him to us, and therefore, he can share that rulership of an earthly dominion with us, if that makes sense. He has to be the God-man in order to share that rule. And so there's where our promises come in, that we get to rule and reign with him. Again, him being the God-man. All okay. right. I was watching and the same horn is talking about the Antichrist was making war against the saints, against the Jews and prevailing against them until the ancient of days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the most high in regards to Israel. Now, why? Why is, in the future, why does God make this decision for Israel? Because you know what's happened on the ground? Israel has gotten saved. And because they have gotten saved, They have been saved spiritually. Then they start calling out for Jesus to save them physically from the Antichrist, and it's at this point that the judgment is now made in favor of Israel to rescue them, Um, and then he goes uh, in favor of the saints for the of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom, and that's when Israel will take over the kingdom after the second coming. Okay, Israel will be the head of the nations, not the tail. Furthermore. "...then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the, under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. The kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey Him." So notice, again, we're thrown in there. It shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. We get to be there. We get to rule and reign with the Messiah. And so this is a promise to all who follow Him that suffer persecution." Right now, we're at the bottom barrel of society. We're the ones being persecuted. We're the ones that they malign. But one day, it's going to be reversed. We're going to be at the top because of that, of what Jesus has done. Now, let's get to an application then. We're going to get our application from the Apostle Paul because he's going to mention this. And in, in light of what you just studied, he's going to say, this is what you need to do. This is in Second um, Thessalonians chapter 1, I believe. Verse 4. We ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience, or the way it can been translated is, is perseverance in Greek, and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you also suffer, since it is a righteous thing with God. And let's, let's just stop right there. Let's, let's unpack this. He is saying to them, when I see your patience or your perseverance under persecution, that it doesn't stop you, that you just keep going on and serving the Lord that you keep telling the truth, that you don't commit the sin of silence, that you don't cower away, that you're fighting the good fight of faith, right? It is manifest evidence of your right to be worthy to rule with the Messiah. Now think about that. Notice that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. Now this, has to, this doesn't have to do with your entrance into the kingdom of God. Your entrance into the kingdom of God is through faith in the Messiah. That's your entrance. But the idea and the concept of being worthy, worthy of what? Not entrance, worthy of rewards in the kingdom. So the way you actually manifest that you're going to be rewarded and be worthy of those rewards is how you deal with persecution in your life. And if you deal with it well and it doesn't stop you, it will manifest to all that you are worthy of rewards in the kingdom. But you have to learn how to suffer well. Let's continue on. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. So everybody that messes with us, that has caused us trouble... He's saying, look, it's a righteous thing that God pays them back. That is totally foreign compared to what the world thinks about God. God, they believe that God won't judge anybody. But he's saying it's a righteous thing for God to judge those who troubled you and to give you who are troubled rest with us. When, when, when am I gonna get rest? When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. We just studied that. That's the second coming, Right? That's when you get rest. So in a sense, what he is saying is the way you're going to get rest from these enemies of yours is at the second coming. And at the second coming, all persecution ends for all believers at that point. It all ends. It stops. Now, it'll stop for us in the rapture, but as far as everyone else on the earth, it stops then forever. Forever. And that's where we get rest. Rest from our enemies. Right now, you don't have rest in flaming fire what did you read about daniel remember the flaming fire the throne in flaming fire referring to the judgment of him taking vengeance on those who do not know god and those who do not obey the gospel of our lord jesus christ now this is a passage that doesn't go well in society notice the two aspects in the passage about who is going to be judged those who uh uh, those who do not know god who are they those who do not know god are those who do not respond to general revelation what do you mean in order to get special revelation special revelation would be information about jesus how to be saved those kinds of things that's called special revelation in order to get special revelation you have to respond to general revelation What is general revelation? The skies and the heavens declare his glory. So you should be able to look at creation and know that there's a creator, okay? That's first. Second, the witness in your heart is that God has put the law on every human being's heart. And so they are found guilty according to the law in their heart. They know that murder is wrong. They know that stealing is wrong. It's all in their heart and it accuses them. That's the second part of general revelation. The third part of revelation is history. When you look at history, especially in looking at Israel, history declares there's a God. And then the fourth one is providence. People should be able to see providence in their life, that there are no accidents, that things happen for a reason. So those four things, if people will respond to those, then they will be given special revelation, which is the scriptures. So those who do not know God are those in the world who never respond to general revelation. And so when they don't do that, they worship the creation rather than the creator. The second group is on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, which means that these individuals were presented the gospel and they rejected it. So these are the two groups that will go to hell. So God's making the point. You can't ever say, well, that person in, 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 in the Amazon River um, never knew anything about Jesus. Well, the reason they didn't know anything about Jesus is because the, they didn't respond to general revelation. So they are guilty as well. Because if they did respond, God would get a message to them about specific revelation about Jesus. That's how it works. That's just how it works. No one will be without excuse. And the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe. And again, that's the tail end of saying this will finally be the end for us in, in dealing with persecution. Now, let me scoot on here. I was going to talk about the universe for a second. But here's the principle that I want to leave you with. Our ability to cope and endure the different forms of persecutions that we're dealing with right now, and the evil that's being done on you, is based on the hope that Jesus the Messiah will judge the people of this world. The Antichrist, the devil, and his angels at the second coming, okay? So so one of the things you have to be when you're dealing with a hard world and an evil world is you have to be future-oriented in your thinking. You can't get caught up in the here and now. You have to be future-oriented. And what the Scriptures are saying is it's one day going to end. Christ will end it. So then, how do I apply this? Therefore, the ability of the believer to endure and persevere will evidence their worthiness to rule and reign with the Messiah during the Millennial Kingdom, which gives them rest from their enemies. So, let me ask you some some personal questions. I know it's difficult to watch all this evil happen in front of us. I get it. That's what this whole passage is about. But if that stops you from serving the Lord, if that makes you surrender, if that makes you you, uh, stop telling the truth, because you're afraid of the consequences, you are proving that you're not worthy of rewards by your, 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 your tacit approval of what's going on, by you not saying something, by you not telling the truth, by you saying, you know what, I don't care what the consequences are, this is what's gonna be said, and I'm letting it lie, and so be it. Then you will prove that you're worthy of rewards. So right now, God is evidencing to the remnant church who is worthy to be rewarded, and rewarded with what? Ruling and reigning. Those people, those Christians right now who are sitting on their hands, not in the fight, being willfully ignorant about what's going on in this world because they want to keep their little lives are showing you they're not worthy of any reward. They are going to be entered into the kingdom, but they aren't worthy of receiving ruling and reigning. Bluster you when they revile and persecute you for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. If the children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him. Notice the conditional if. If. It's not an automatic. It's if we indeed suffer with him. Christians sometimes choose not to suffer with Christ. They commit the sin of silence. They go into a cave. They they pull out of society. But look at 2 Timothy. If, If, notice the conditional. If we endure, if we persevere, all the way to the end, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Deny us in what sense? deny ruling and reigning with him this is your chance now right now in the most evilest time we have ever seen in church history this is your time to earn that reward of ruling and reigning i know it's going to have consequences with it you do too but i would rather pay the consequences for this life and be able to rule and reign with him the next And don't you ever forget to keep that in mind as we deal with this crazy evil, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for what we can learn through Daniel chapter 7. You are going to put an end to all of this, and we thank you for that. Help us to be mindful that every day that we see evil, that it doesn't stop us, that we continue to endure, we continue to persevere through all of it, so that one day we will sit on Messiah's throne. Father, I pray if there's anyone here that hasn't come to faith, they would do so today. Understand that there's only two roads. They can pay for their own sins or Christ can pay for their sins. And that's it. And they would choose that Christ would pay for their sins on a cross. Because he, he died, and he was buried, and rose on the third day and offers that everlasting life as a free gift to anyone who will simply believe. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.